0: Welcome to the Doodle Kisses Podcast, an extension of DoodleKisses.com. I'm your host, Adina Pearson. DoodleKisses.com is the social network for Labradoodle and Golden Doodle owners, wannabe owners, and the Doodle Curious. The goal of this podcast is to provide education, entertainment, and connect with our Doodle Kisses members on the topic of Labradoodles, Golden Doodles, and dogs in general. Today I'm talking to longtime Doodle Kisses member, Karen. Karen is like the tell it like it is, doesn't mince words, wise grandmother of Doodle Kisses. She has helped countless members with advice on all sorts of dog topics, and if she doesn't know the answer, she knows how to find it. We made up an award for her a few years ago for all the dog sleuthing and support she's given through the years. Even without a smartphone, she really could be a private investigator for how quickly she can uncover the truth about a topic. While we don't always agree, I mean, she doesn't like Nutella or pizza, I have tons of respect for her character and her commitment to excellence toward dogs. She has been involved in German Shepherd Rescue and currently is involved in Doodle Rescue and has stories that will amaze you. For this episode, we are discussing the topic of doodles and kids. Even though doodles are fun and kids are fun, it's not really a fun episode because it's more of a warning on what to watch out for so that your doodle doesn't get displaced. Kids are actually a huge risk factor for dogs. And as she mentions on the show, families with kids are the most likely to end up rehoming their doodle. Not because kids are bad or doodles are inherently bad, but because when these two wonderful beings are combined, if you're not prepared, a lot can go wrong. If you are new to dogs, new to doodles, or are considering a doodle and you have or might have kids in the future, this is an important episode to listen to. I've been very lucky. I've only had dogs that were incredibly tolerant of kids, of handling, and 100% forgiving of any mistakes I made or my kids have made. But not all dogs or doodles are this way. Listen and find out how to keep both your kids and your dogs safe. Hi, Karen. Welcome to the Doodle Kisses podcast. Hi, good morning. Good morning. I'm so excited to have you here. So I want to hear about your story with dogs.
1: It's a long one. I've lived with dogs for 62 years. And in those 62 years, the longest period I've ever not lived with a dog is four months. (laughs) except when I was away at college, and then, you know, the dog is at home with your parents, so I still consider that, you know, there was a dog there. Dogs are just, you know, part of my life. I think they always will be. Mm -hmm. As a child, we had poodles. Um, We had a toy poodle. We had a standard poodle. After I left home, my mother had a Maltese, who I did not live with and would not have wanted to live with. (laughs) My dogs, the first one was a Schnoodle, which was um, the result of some friends breeding their dog to another friend's dog. Which I don't, <laughs> I don't advocate, but I will say she was. I you couldn't fault her temperament-wise. Everything she was, she was just the most wonderful dog in the world, um, and I had her. Couple years before my daughter was born. Then, after I lost her, I went out and bought a miniature poodle puppy from a very good breeder. And she was a lovely dog, beautiful dog, easy to train, extremely healthy, unbelievably healthy. Nice. But she was not the right dog for me, temperament wise. Of course, she lived with me her whole life. She was 16 years old when I lost her, but she was a show dog that wasn't being shown, and um, she would not back down from anything. I mean, you know, 16 pounds, and mm-hmm. and she would take she would take on anybody or any you know if you didn't challenge her, she was fine. <laughs> um, I, I fostered German shepherds while I had her. And she would back down. You know, the I had a hundred and eight pound um, former police canine who backed down from her. So, uh, you know, anyone who thinks poodles are sissy needs to think again. <laughs> and then I had, and then I had Jack, my heart dog forever. Jack was an F one labradoodle who was somebody purchased him from a pet store. And then dumped him in a uh, no-kill private uh, shelter here in this area when he was about a year old. And I adopted him. I was not looking for a doodle. Um, I wasn't even looking for, th- you know, that large a dog. <laughs> but he, you know, I did adopt him and he was wonderful, as you know. He was temperament-wise. um Unbelievably sweet dog, but uh, very unhealthy, and I lost him in a very tragic way, and then after that, it was very hard because part of me was... I I I'm done with dogs. I'm gonna, you know, sell my house now. I don't need a fenced yard. I'm gonna buy I'm gonna buy a townhouse. The maintenance and the taxes will be lower. And yet the other part of me was looking on Pet Finder <laughs> and looking at puppies and um I could not go the doodle route again. Um I'd probably Well, no, I'm not even going to say. I was going to say I probably could have adopted one, but I couldn't have. Um, It wouldn't have been fair to the dog because anybody was going to end up being compared to Jack, and they were going to lose in that Mm -hmm. comparison. The most wonderful dog in the world was going to lose in that comparison. So that's not fair to an animal. And uh, I decided, well... I don't want health problems again. I can't deal with health problems again. I want, you know, a a yearly visit to the vet and maybe an ear infection once in a while. (laughs) And so I I went back to what I know and, you know, how I know I can get a dog like my previous poodle, which was to get another miniature poodle. And uh, this time I researched the lines I knew there were certain poodles. I wanted silver. I wanted a mini. And I was hoping to get a larger mini. So I knew which dogs, you know, I wanted in the pedigree and which dogs were likely to produce what I wanted. And I found Jasper's breeder and his litter. And uh, I got everything I wanted with him. So here we are. And I can't, you know. I've had um, German Shepherd Fosters, as I mentioned, and I've had some Doodle Fosters, too, from um, I think I only had one with iDog, and then the rest were all with BRC. But I wanted to do this today with the kids because when you're involved in rescue, you're always hearing very sad stories. Mm-hmm. And with Doodles, the sad stories we hear very often have to do with children with problems with children and the dogs and reasons why the dogs are being rehomed. And last week, I heard one of the worst stories that I've, you know, ever personally been involved with, and I think that was when I said, you know what, we need to do a podcast with the issues with the doodles and the kids because I don't ever want to hear a story like that again.
0: Is it a story you can share?
1: Yeah, I can I can share it. Um, it's, you know, I, there's no gory details, but it's, gonna, it, it's hard. It was a day or two after Christmas, I think, and I got a message on Facebook in the um, DRC group from a woman who turned out to be a student, or I'm going to say probably a BYB,
0: which is Backyard
1: Breeder. Backyard Breeder. But at the time, she just messaged me, and she didn't have any idea at all what, um, uh, you know, how rescues work or how shelters work. And the exact wording was, I don't know how this works. Do shelters pull do- take dogs from other shelters? So right away, I went and looked at her profile, which was how I knew that I'm dealing with a breeder. But... The story was that a family member of hers um, had taken their young Golden Doodle to a kill shelter because the dog had bitten a child at a family Christmas party. And she's so worried about this dog, and can we do anything, and can we get the dog out of the shelter? I asked her if it was one of her dogs, and she said no. But I, I'm not convinced that that's true. I started doing some work on the computer and located the the shelter and located somebody to talk to. The shelter was closed, but I I was able to get through to somebody, and the whole thing was a waste of time because he had been euthanized immediately. He he was already gone before she ever messaged me. Mm. And the reason for that was because when an owner relinquishes a dog, there is no hold period. You know, if if a dog is picked up as a stray, an owner is given an opportunity to reclaim the dog. If the owner gives up the dog, there is no hold period. You know, they can euthanize them that minute. And I was told by the person um, at the shelter that the owner had, requested that they euthanize the dog.
2: Mm.
1: So <laughs> I heard that story and I thought, you know, we, we have to do something. We, we really need to do something. Because um, I, I just, I don't want another young dog to, to be euthanized like that. And honestly, what kind of a coward are you? Because you want your dog euthanized, but either you don't want to pay for it, you haven't got the the strength of character to hold that dog in your arms while they're being put to sleep, you're going to dump them someplace and let strangers do it. I mean, it's just the worst possible scenario. And that happened to a golden doodle. I saw a picture of him. He was beautiful. And this is because of a child, you know. Um, Obviously, the child didn't say, I want you to kill this dog. But this is an incident with a child and I don't know the circumstances, but I would be willing to bet you that it was not the dog's fault. It's a Christmas party, you can only imagine. There's there's children running, there's noise, there's commotion, there's food. And the child was bitten under those circumstances. We I, you know, we've got a few dogs with DRC right now that are with us because they snapped at or bit a child. Thank God those owners were kinder <laughs> and knew what to do with them, but it's hard. Stories that are less um, tragic, that have happy endings. Currently, you know about the, uh, the doodle mm-hmm. that we are placing now through DRC. He also lost his home because of a bite incident with a child. And it was a neighbor child. And Nobody is quite sure what happened. I heard a couple stories. One of them was that the child pulled his ear. And I mean, I can tell you right now, Jasper, I could not promise you that if some kid grabbed his ear and yanked, that he wouldn't snap or bite. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there are many people that could. I mean, it's things like that. Well, the neighbors threw a fit. They called the animal control. The dog had to be quarantined, and the, the people are renting their home. And the neighbors called the landlord and said, "You know, we want this dog out of the neighborhood." And he lost his home. He, this dog is not a vicious dog, but any dog can bite under the right circumstances.
0: Right, it's its only defense. So there's there might be the rare dogs who will take any kind of abuse and just kind of like tolerate or try to escape. But I don't think we should put it past a nice dog to try to just non-viciously bite. Because I would think if you're pulling its ears and you're a stranger or you're a kid that doesn't know, it makes sense that it would snap. And it's not necessarily viciousness.
1: No. You know, there's, there's a protective instinct in a dog, too. And it's not just, you know, Doberman Pinschers and Rottweilers. Your dogs have a protective instinct to some degree. Every dog does. Jack actually bit somebody, not a child. Um, My grandson lives with me, and he was a teenager at the time. And, you know, teenage boys look like men to dogs. They sound like men. They look like men. One of his friends just walked into my house one day. Didn't knock, didn't ring, didn't announce himself, just walked in. And Jack went for him. And he got him. You can't blame a dog for that. Does that mean Jack was, you know, a vicious dog? No. A strange man is walking into your house, and you're there, or your children are there. (laughs) You know, in some cases, that dog wins, you know, an award from AKC for Hero Dog of the Year. I would like people not to allow these things to happen to their dog, to their child either, but the dogs are the ones who are suffering. We just got a 10-month-old mini golden doodle, 27 pounds. Um, She has not bitten anyone yet, but she's resource guarding over food. With kids, right? With a six-year-old child. She's out. They're all out because if it's the kid or the dog, it's going to be the dog. The fact of the matter is that (laughs) it's what I see all the time, all the time with the doodle. It's the number one reason they lose their homes, and sometimes that they lose their life, and it's all related to children. And it's not just because of biting or aggression. Sometimes it's family situations. People didn't realize how much money it costs to have the dog, and usually young families with young kids are more strapped financially than we empty nesters are. Right. Or a young couple without kids. Or any couple without kids. Kids are expensive.
0: And not just the money, but I think when you're, I'm a mom, and when you have kids, life is constantly changing, and you're constantly figuring out what the time that you have.
1: There are all those issues. But a lot of times um, when a dog starts to show some type of a problem behavior, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, the first advice anyone's going to give the owner is, Get a trainer. Work with a trainer. Right. Sometimes it might be also see a vet behaviorist or, you know, if there's health issues, see a veterinarian, check out this and that. And I have been told by many people, I can't afford it. I had one woman her exact words were, I can't afford to hire a trainer. I have three kids to put through pouch. Mm-hmm. What's the excuse? If you don't have kids, when I say to you, get a trainer, you know, a lot of times people use, I think, children or even other family members um, as an excuse for something.
0: Now, we talked a bit about, you know, kids getting bitten or dogs biting kids, but that's not always the only reason you meant, you know, obviously there's like, there's behavior problems and we can't deal with it because of time or money or how busy we are. Is there any other reason that kids and dogs sometimes don't mix or don't mix well?
1: Well, you, you mentioned time, which is a big factor. And where that really starts to come into it is when children get older um, mm-hmm. a lot of times. You know, a lot of times somebody has little kids and they don't realize, you know, what's coming, you know, down the, down the road when right. the kids are old. The kids are going to have sports activity or dance class or band practice or religious school. And then they're going to have homework, which is more and more as the kids get older. And there just isn't time. You know, there isn't enough. So sometimes we have that. One of the big ones is when people get a dog because the child wants a dog. And, you know, it's funny because I was just listening to Lori's podcast and she talked about this with Megan mm-hmm. wanting a dog, promising, you know, I'm going to do everything and I'm going to take care of the dog and I'm going to be responsible and blah, blah, blah. And, of course, she wasn't. Mm-hmm. And we have, we have had a number of people. I won't, I won't say a number. It, it's relatively rare that a dog is given up for that reason. But they are. Where the parents will come, play it out and tell you, why are you giving up this dog? Well, we got the dog because my son wanted a dog and he promised he's going to take care of the dog and he won't. So we're getting rid of the dog. Mm-hmm. All the, these kinds of things, they need to be addressed ideally before somebody gets the dog.
0: Right. The parents, you as an an adult need to want the dog and all of the responsibilities, even if you think your kids can help. because Most more than likely, if they're you know under 10, they're gonna be excited for a little while, and then it's just gonna be like last year's toy that was cool and now is sitting in their room. I know my kids they they treat the dogs like furniture half the time, like they just they're just here, and then every now and then they'll be like, Oh, we have the cutest dog, Boca's so sweet, but they don't want to feed her.
1: (laughs) These are exactly the things I want to talk about, and that I and that I tell people. You know, my first question, if someone doesn't have a dog and they're thinking about getting a dog for the kids or because the kids want a dog, the first question I want you to ask yourself is, do you really want a dog? You. If you didn't have children, would you be looking for a dog? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, please don't get a dog. Because the bottom line is the dog is yours. You are the adult. You are the one. A child can't even own a dog legally. (laughs) You know, a child can't own a dog. The dog is yours. And it's not fair to every dog. The first thing after the basics of life, food, water, and shelter, that a dog needs is to is to be have somebody you know to be owned by someone who wants them, who really wants them, who is committed to them. And it you know if you are an adult and you're thinking about getting a dog, and it's primarily for kids, I want you to search your soul and ask yourself. Wouldn't you get a dog if you didn't have kids? And if the answer is no, please don't get a dog.
0: It makes no sense to me because dogs can have health issues that the kids aren't going to notice. Dogs may have so many things that, you know, they need an adult to be aware of and they need the the adult to take the dog out at 10 p.m. when the kids are sleeping. (laughs)
1: I mean everything. Your child can't take the dog to the vet. Your child can't take the dog to the groomer. Your child can't take the dog to training classes. Your child can't pay for any of it. Right. You know how people will say a lot of times in a forum discussion, um, I don't understand. The dog won't listen to me, but he listens to my husband. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason for that is because dogs respond to confidence, calmness, a a certain tone of voice, even, you know, women usually, their voices are higher pitched, there's more emotion in the, you know, they, uh, a lot of men, have a a, a more of an imposing presence, Mm -hmm. and and dogs respond to that, so if that's the case, think how much less likely it is that the dog is going to listen to children, Or, or, you know, look upon them as a leader or a caregiver or whatever, the adult has to really want a dog. Yes. And I know parents want to give their kids everything they want. I wanted to give my kids everything they want. I wanted to give my grandson everything he wanted. But there are certain things that a dog needs to be thought of differently than an object that your, your child wants you to buy them. Mm-hmm. Because that would be hard. You know, cause my child wants this toy. No, you can't have that toy ever. You know that would be that would be hard. You have to start thinking of a dog as what if he said, to "You mom, I really, really want a, a sister." Because
0: <laughs> I was just thinking of that.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. I, you know,
0: I mean. That would not be a, a hard one to, to say no. If parents might even agree and think, oh, I have a, a only child, I really should get my child a sibling, but they fully understand that that sibling doesn't belong to the child. Like that is their kid. Right. Right. They're right. not going to say, oh, you're not playing with your baby sister. We're just going to send her back. Like, <laughs> what, like, how come you didn't get the bottle ready in time? You know, like none of that is going to be the case with well, adding and, a
1: sibling. And, you know, it, if- it's not an apt comparison. Obviously, you know, making a decision to have another child is not the same. But I, I'm, the point is you have to think of a dog as as a, something, not as an object that you right. can buy. And then if it doesn't work out, you can give it away or sell it or return it to the store. I mean, you know, and, and how to say no about certain things. If your child wanted a horse, you <laughs> wouldn't have any trouble saying no. You know, if your child came home and said, well, I want a swimming pool in the backyard. Why can't we have one? Susie has one in her backyard. Mm-hmm. You're not going to feel like a bad mom for saying, no, we're, we're not getting a swimming pool. Right. You know, so, so that's the first thing I would just ask parents to search their soul. And if you don't want a dog yourself, regardless of what your kids want, please don't get one because it's not fair to the dog.
0: And, you know, you I don't know if you've seen these videos on YouTube, but there's big compilations. You could find hundreds of videos of kids opening gifts that are puppies or kids getting a surprise puppy. And, and it's so emotional and you'll probably cry watching because it's so sweet. Oh, no, I, I won't. Have you seen I won't those? cry. No. Well, I, it's, it's, it always it has- brings me tears. But the reality is that dog is probably not going to be cared for 100% by that kid who's crying and is so excited.
1: Funny you mentioned it, because we just had a video exactly like what you're talking about in the Miniature Poodle group on Facebook that I'm a member of, and people went for certain, you know, a certain number of your sentimental steps that thought, oh, isn't this lovely and beautiful? But the real dog people were appalled and did not hesitate to say so. I mean, everybody was just, uh, someone you know, I won't say the name, um, pretty much handed the the mother her hat um, over that video. And then everything got shut down because it was such an uproar. Mm -hmm. But exactly what you're talking about. The box was over the puppy. A great, a great deal was made about that. Well, it wasn't cruel because the puppy wasn't in the box. The box was just over the puppy, and the three little children—I mean, tiny little children—I don't think any of them was even five years old. And the father is there with the box, and the mother brings the kids in, and oh, look, Santa came early. Look what he brought you, and lifts up the box, and. I didn't think it was cute, and it didn't move me to tears.
0: It's only when the kids are older and they're crying that I get teary-eyed because they're so happy. Even though I know (laughs) what's going to happen, you know, in a week or two, it still gets me teary-eyed. Because puppies are so exciting.
1: Yes, but the whole
0: premise
1: to that is a dog is like a toy you get for a Christmas present. Mm -hmm. It's a gift in a box that you get. And that's that's from from the first minute their child has laid eyes on their puppy, that's the wrong way to be looking at the dog. It's not a toy. Oh it's I agree. not a gift. There are there are quite a few good breeders of all breeds. I think even even the some of the doodle breeders will not sell a puppy for Christmas. They'll say, I'll give you a picture, you can put this mm-hmm. in a box or whatever. Christmas is a horrible time to bring a puppy up with commotion and stuff going on and presents and company and that's a terrible time um for a dog to learn about their new life. I used to do the placements for DRC for two years and I couldn't I couldn't do it anymore. Mostly because of this stuff. I, I just You know, it just was taken, and Kim took over, and Kim has done an unbelievable job for many years now. I think about eight. I don't know how she does it. The dogs that stand out in my mind were the ones that their stories were particularly sad. And all of them had to do with, I got a dog for my kids. Mm -hmm. Lori wrote a wonderful blog about Rudy. Rudy was 10 years old, and he was rehomed because... He was really our daughter's dog, and she's in college now. We want to travel. And Rudy was in foster care. He ended up getting adopted by his foster mom. Before that, though, he was in foster care forever because nobody wants a 10-year-old dog. Yeah. And did these people think about that when their daughter was eight years old and wanted a dog? I've told you, when we got our first dog as a family when I was a kid, that was our toy poodle. We got her when I was six years old, and when she died, I came home from my junior year of college to be with my parents when she was put to sleep, and when she was, they actually did bury her in a pet cemetery. I want all the people with six year olds to think about where kids that want this dog are going to be in life in 13 years or 15. Because that's what the reality is, depending on how old your kids are, when you get a dog. My last mini poodle we got when my daughter was, I'm going to say nine or 10, maybe. My grandson, when my daughter came back home with my grandson, that mini poodle was still there. Her dog, from when she was, you know, in fifth grade or something. Mm -hmm. I want people to think about that. This is a commitment. If you get a dog, you have to make a commitment to them. That's not just parents. It's anybody. Right. It's young adults who haven't married yet. who haven't had kids. It's old people. I don't care who. You have to make a commitment to the dog. And you can't go into it thinking, well, if it doesn't work out or it's marriage, I can give it away or I can rehome it. Would you tell someone, go into a marriage and with that mindset, well, you know, I, this probably won't be too bad and, you know, I could get a divorce. We'll try it out for six years. Or even a job, you know. Right. Would you want an employee who is coming in thinking, well, this doesn't seem too bad, but, you know, I could always leave quick. Mm-hmm. You know, a dog, it's, 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 a, it, it's in its own category because, no, it's not a child. It's not the same as a child, but it's not the same as anything else either.
0: It's not an American Girl doll.
1: Right. It's not a toy. It's not an object. It's not merchandise. It's not livestock. You have to make a commitment. Yeah. And the next thing is, once you've made that commitment, understanding the differences between dogs and kids so that you don't have these problems with Mm -hmm. the dog snapping the kids or biting the kids or or all that.
0: Yeah, because there's a lot of normal kid behavior that could really mess with a dog. I've been having a lot of fun doing these podcasts, interviewing interesting people, learning along with you. I don't really want to stop. However, producing a podcast takes time and money. I'm willing to put in the time, but I don't have podcast production skills. And so we have to pay for a professional to put these podcasts together. This is where you come in. If you're getting anything out of listening to these podcasts, please consider supporting the Doodle Kisses podcast. If every single person who listened to at least one episode gave $1, we could cover the production of several episodes. If you gave $5, well, we'd be done fundraising for the year. Go check out our GoFundMe page. The link is in our show notes. Now back to the learning. you want to talk a little bit about that, like things that kids do that are not appropriate ways to interact with dogs? Yes, that's one of the big ones because,
1: you know, we've talked about maybe don't get a dog, but there's a lot of people who do already have the dog. And so now let's make sure these dogs stay where they are. Okay, so so the big one is dogs do not think of affection the same way that people do. And a lot of people get this wrong. Even people that don't have little kids. Dogs, in general, do not like to be hugged. And every time we bring this up in any kind of a forum, on Doodle Kisses, on Facebook groups, somebody will say, well, my dogs love to be hugged. I hug my dog all the time, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Lori even has pictures of herself hugging Fudge. So first, I'm going to say... There's a difference in the way that Lori is hugging Fudge than the way most children hug anybody, including a dog. And the other thing I'm going to say is Fudge probably doesn't really like to be hugged. Fudge likes Lori, Mm -hmm. and Fudge trusts Lori, and because of those things, Fudge allows, tolerates Lori hugging her, and that's the difference. I don't know that Fudge would love to have me hug her. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody is delighted and pleased when a, a young child is affectionate and wants to hug you, wants to hug her brother or her friend. And so when a child wants to hug the puppy, most parents would never dream of seeing anything wrong with that, or telling their kid, don't do that, don't hug the dog. They're proud and pleased to see how sweet and affectionate their child is being with this puppy. And kids like to pick up puppies a lot. (laughs) Pick up and carry them around, and that's another one. Mm -hmm. So the first thing people need to understand is a hug, particularly around the neck, it's threatening to a dog. Think about a dog's neck. We control dogs with something around their neck. Dogs, when they play, and even when they're not playing and they're fighting and attacking each other, what's the first thing they're going for? The neck. The neck. It's a vulnerable place on a dog. So the very first thing you would do with children with dogs is the child needs to stay away from the dog's neck. You see these pictures on Facebook or wherever with kids just with a bear hug, with their arms around a dog's neck. I never see that and think it's cute, ever. I think to myself, this is a bite waiting to happen. I gave you a link to the website that has the Stop the 77 video,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and a lot of people have seen that video, but everybody needs to see it. Every parent, every grandparent, every daycare provider, everybody needs to see that video. It's it's lovely. It's beautiful. There's nothing scary or upsetting in it. It's so well done. The first time I ever saw that video, April Kleiber posted that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, she wanted people to see it and everyone said, you know, it's so well done because it's shown from the dog's point of view. You know, it's not lecturing you, it's showing you. It's so much easier to understand because, you know, They go through the series of photos in the beginning showing how nice, and then they go back through it from the dog's point of view, and you start to see, oh, I didn't notice the dog is wall-eyed in this photo. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know, it helps parents to recognize the dog's body language and the behavior, and it shows you. Because any of those pictures, two seconds after it was snapped, there could have been a bite. And Mm -hmm. somebody... Would think to themselves, well, there was no reason for that. It was unpredictable. It was, and if you look at it, it's not. You can see why it's yeah. Yeah. So that's a real important resource that I hope parents are going to look at. Yeah, we'll link to that. They have videos for every age group, and they're cute. It's not like boring stuff like you have to sit down and listen to a lecture or, or me talking or you know. It's at the child's age level, and they have skits, and they have animated, and it, it's just like a, a kid's TV show that they mm-hmm. would want to watch. There's songs. There's stuff for older kids. It's not, you know, everything isn't like baby level, but it's just so important, and it's means so much more. If you watch it, you can see. Rather than me sitting here and saying, well, you know, tell your kid not to hug the dog. The dog doesn't like it. Right. Dogs hate to have their feet forced off the ground. Even little puppies hate it. They're no longer in control of where their body is. And I'm not saying you let your dog move any way he wants or, you know, but you see my point. Mm -hmm. There are even puppies that would snap or bite. Somewhere along the line, people got the idea that the way to tell your child to approach a dog is to walk up to him slowly from the front, face to face, and hold your hand out with your palm up. Mm-hmm. I used to see that constantly when I was walking Jack, and someone would ask if their child could approach, you know. Now, Jack um, was bomb proof with little kids. There, there was nothing a little kid could have done that was going to be a problem. But when the opportunity presented itself, I would tell the parents, the next one is, may not be like Jack. You don't ever tell a child to walk straight up face-to-face head-on to a dog, ever. You will have them approach the dog from the side. From the side, if they can come up kind of from the back, but to the side. And pet the dog on the back, on the back of the neck. I pet dogs on the chest usually, but that's me. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to tell, you know, little kids, they should never reach for the dog's pet. And that's something
0: that everyone doesn't know. Right. It just seems like you just pat a dog on the head and that in an annoying way is normal. But it's not. I mean, I pet
1: my dogs any way I please, and I come at their head and their face and everything. I'm forever, you know, it's
0: me and it's my dog. And, you know. You have a bond and relationship with them (laughs) of trust. It's not a stranger coming up. You know, just like, I mean, people, if some stranger comes up to hug you, you're going to be a little bit off-put by that. (laughs) But if someone you love, you know, like shows up, you're going to be excited to say hi and give them a hug.
1: Even if somebody comes up right in your face too close, You know, Mm -hmm. you're at a party or uh, you're out somewhere and someone comes, you know, right up. There's nobody that's comfortable with that, someone talking right in your face. Mm -hmm. Even if it is someone
0: you know. The close talker.
1: (laughs) You know, and and that's, I gave you the link to Sophia Yin's um, website, and she has wonderful graphics. She has, I think, a book, but she has even a wall chart, pamphlets, things you can print out. Showing, you know, illustrated what the child shouldn't do, why the child shouldn't do it. There, then there's an example, you know, the same thing. If your child was doing this to another child, this is the equivalent, you know. The, the The other child wouldn't like it, and the dog doesn't like this. So that's another real good resource for for parents. Yeah, you know, you hear a lot of stuff. You know, well, always ask if you can pet the dog. Well, yeah. But then teach how you, them how do do to it? pet the dog. Yeah. But that, the Stop the 77, which is called the Family Dog website, that, that one and the Sophia Yin website are wonderful um, yes. for teaching kids. And for parents to understand, because, you know, your three-year-old isn't going to understand a lot of this. Right. Which brings me to another point. You don't leave young kids and dogs alone. Period. I don't care what dog it is, you don't leave little kids and dogs alone unsupervised, not for a minute. And this is something else people need to think about when they're thinking about getting a dog and you have kids. I don't want kids in the yard along with dogs, even in the fence yard, if you're not watching and if they're little kids. And if you look at the Versatility and Poodles website the other day, they have an article on there about, so your kids want a puppy. And they go through some of these things. And they said, under a certain age, I forget what age they said, I want to say six, maybe eight, you can't leave kids and dogs alone. So if you're a parent and you have kids and you're thinking about getting a dog or you already have the dog, you got to figure out how you're going to manage that. You know, utilize a crate, something. Mm -hmm. You're going to go take a shower. (laughs) Take somebody in the bathroom with you, either the kid or the dog, you know, because it's just not safe. Besides being worried about your kid's safety, I don't want that dog rehomed because he bit your kid when you weren't watching.
0: Right. And, you know, one of the things that we've talked about before is that from your experience, you know, with Doodle Rescue and just being around in the world of dogs is that doodles have tended to attract first-time dog owners. And maybe maybe even dog owners who who don't know much about dogs in the first place and they see this teddy bear-looking thing and kind of aren't ready that they're just dogs, right? They might have some traits from the retriever and the friendliness and whatever, but they're still dogs that do dog things and are at risk for biting and all these things we've talked about. But yeah, the the first-time dog owner means that, you know, if you're a first-time dog owner and you're kind of like, I don't know about dogs and you have kids, that really puts a lot of risk factors (laughs) as far as rehoming puts a lot of those things together.
1: Yeah, and, and thank you for bringing, bringing that up because that's a big point. I've been involved in doodle rescue since 07 or 08. So what is that, 12, 11, 12 years? The number one by a wide, wide urgent reason that, the, that doodles lose their homes is because of these issues with children. And you don't see this with other breeds. Never once did somebody rehome a German Shepherd through our rescue group in the 20 years that I've been involved with it for the reason that the dogs bit the kid. And I thought they were supposed to be great with kids (laughs) or, or anything. Honestly, I can't think of one that I know of that was rehomed because of some issues with kids. Because people... Look at a German Shepherd and they, you know, you're not getting first-time dog owners with little kids buying a German Shepherd puppy, unless, of course, they're dog people and they know the breed and they, you know.
0: They expect a dog. They don't expect a teddy bear. And this is where we, I hope
1: one of these days we'll do a podcast about doodle breeders, and the marketing, and how to really research. You also don't see, on most breeds, purebred, the good breeders. You, you, It doesn't look like an ad site. It doesn't look like somebody is trying to sell something. There are not superlatives, wonderful with this, great with that, blah, blah, blah. You don't see that. In fact, with a lot of them, you see... Things like, is this the right breed for you? Or, you know, the famous article, don't buy a Bouvier. Mm-hmm. And that's been translated out to other breeds. And all the reasons why this might not be the right breed for you. Even the best doodle breeders, it still looks like an ad. It still mm-hmm. looks like, how wonderful with kids, the wonderful, blah, blah, blah. They're dogs, people. Yeah. There's nothing magic about mixing a golden retriever with poodles or labs with poodles or Bernese Mountain Dogs with poodles or anything with poodles. It's not a chemistry formula where if we mix this chemical with that chemical, we know we're going to get X Mm -hmm. product. They're dogs. Any dog can bite. Any dog can have a lousy temperament. Any dog can be bad with kids. No dog is born wonderful with kids. Every doodle is not wonderful with kids. And there's nothing different about a doodle than about any other kind of a dog when it comes to basic canine instincts. Mm -hmm. They're not teddy bears. They're not stuffed toys. There's nothing different. And they're not safer. I hear it all the time. But, But doodles are good with kids. If we post a dog, and, and you know how people get mad because rescues won't adapt to people with little kids? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Doodles are good with kids. Why wouldn't you adapt to, to families with kids? Well, because this dog just lost his home because he lived with a family. You know, People need to understand that. You, you want to know what the safest breed is in general, if you want to make generalizations. If you want to get a, a dog that's good with kids, a uh, Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. I bet you in Newfoundland Rescue, they don't have a lot of people rehoming dogs because of kids. But the point is, don't get a doodle because you think it's somehow safer for your kids or because it's more likely to love your children than another breed. Right. Yeah, probably more so than you know, a Rottweiler. I I don't know. I'm sure there are Rottweilers that love kids and are wonderful with kids to be a hell of a good
0: guardian. Well, the thing is, is that doodles come from breeds that are generally good with families, but that doesn't mean that they're not dogs. And I think there can be a generalization about a breed, but you still have to treat it as a dog first. Like you can't just assume like, because this dog is good with kids, I can leave my kids and dog home alone while I run to the grocery store, you know, uncreated and running around or that, you know, I'm going to use this dog to help my child, you know, with condition, or they're going to sleep in the same bed, or all these things, or my child can do whatever it wants to the dog and take toys away. Well, exactly. Yeah, I, I
1: mean, you know, that because golden retrievers are good with children, but, you know, so then it's helps like you're, you know for sure that your kid could go up to a golden retriever and yank his ear, and the dog is just going to stand there and take it, uh, you know, mm-hmm. they're not teddy bears. I wish they would stop this teddy bear stuff. Because it does. You have a lot of people getting doodles who are not really down deep inside dog people. They don't love dogs. And I honestly think there are a few that are afraid of dogs. They look at dogs and they think dogs bite. That's, you know, this is mm-hmm. what dogs do. And they always in their mind when they see a dog that it could bite you. And somehow, you know, they're persuaded to get a puppy. The child wants a puppy so badly or, you know, whatever. And, and then they fall prey to the marketing. But these are different. These you don't have to be afraid of because they're teddy bears. Mm-hmm. You know, these are, this is very benign and safe and they love children. They're wonderful with children. Well, I'm here after having spent two years placing the ones who weren't wonderful with children and watching Kim placing, you know, the the next eight or 10 years worth, that they're not all wonderful with children. No dog is born wonderful with children. Doodles are dogs, just like any other dog. They smell, they get dirty, they track mud into your house. They can slobber, they drip water on your floors, they get sick, they throw up, they have potty accidents, they chew things up, they need training, they need exercise. It's not something different from dogs. So if
0: dog is not your thing, then doodle is not your thing because they're dogs. So important. We talked, when we were preparing for this, we were talking about dogs for kids with special needs and some of the concerns you have about that?
1: You know, for me, my concern is for the welfare of the dog. So I'm not a fan of somebody getting a dog for any reason other than that they want the dog. I'm not saying people who do are wrong, but I would like people to be asking what they can do for a dog rather than what a dog can do for them. And there are situations where people need a service dog, blind adults physically handicapped adults make it possible for these people to go to work and to live. So I'm not opposed to all service dogs. The problem with service dogs for kids, first of all, I don't know of one legitimate organization that is placing any kind of service dog or therapy dog or emotional support dog with children. Not one. The big, well-known, reputable agencies, like Canine Companions for Independence will not place dogs with children under 10. I don't think Guide Dogs for the Blind will place dogs with children under 10. And the reason for that is because in order for it to work, in order for a service dog relationship to work, is that the the person who, who the dog is performing the service for and the dog has to have a bond. They have to have a bond. The dog has to, has to know this is my person, and the, the, the person has to have the, the same bond with the dog, and that doesn't happen with kids. It can't happen with kids. A kid can't be responsible for a dog. A kid can't take the dog the places that it needs to go and handle it and manage it and handle the training, and so that's... That's one of the problems. Some autistic children, kids on the autistic spectrum, there can be sensory issues. And believe it or not, because of all the hype about, oh, your child has autism, you should get him a dog. Mm -hmm. There is a fair number of people who got a dog for an autistic child that didn't want a dog and is terrified of the dog and bothered by the dog barking, the dog whining, the dog's erratic movement you know so Hmm. there's that and then there's the bedtime thing which was discussed in that that study where service dog is with you you know you go to bed dog goes to bed with you everybody listening to this who has dogs knows you know in most cases your dog wants to sleep where you sleep you're they're a person you mentioned, you know, of some people where the dog prefers to sleep with the child. I suppose there are issues, like uh, cases of that. I, I don't know very much. The dog wants to sleep with and be with their their person, their owner. The monks of New Skeet, and you'll never find a stricter training <laughs> method than that. Even they advocate that you let the, the dog sleep in the room with you, not in the bed, but in the room, that that is the greatest privilege for the dog to share the person's face. So if you have a young child who goes to bed at, you know, whatever, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, now what? The dog's going to go to bed then too, and you're still up, and other family members are up, and the TV's on, and that dog doesn't want to be closed up in that room with the child. The dog wants to be with you. What about taking the dog out before you go to bed? How's that going to work? You're going to, you know, go in there and maybe wake your child. I mean, these these are all things that have to be considered, and the reasons why why these agencies don't do it.
0: In this study, I'm picking out a sentence. They did a study on eleven families with children with autism that got dogs for the child, and only four out of the eleven children with ASD showed interest in the dog, with interest defined as petting or initiating any kind of social approach. So that was very. Startling to me. If I remember correctly, that stressed out the dog. Mm -hmm. So there you are. Out of the
1: 11, four. So that's just slightly over one third. So that means we extrapolated that out. Two thirds of the dogs in that situation belong to someone that doesn't really even like them or touch them or pet them Mm
2: -hmm. or
1: interact with them. And now add in that the adult who got this dog maybe didn't really want a dog for themselves. Who wins in this situation? yeah, nobody nobody, nobody and wins. but the dog is the one that gets the most at risk and while, right. we're talking about it, just real quick, I have had at least half a dozen people contact me through rescue, trying to get rid of a dog that was sold to them as a service dog for their child that was completely a scam. the person selling it. He had done no training, the dog he had, did not have temperament for, I mean, it was just, there are people all over that say, I'm a service dog trainer and get dogs and, and turn around and try to sell them to people as service dogs. The worst case that I can remember was it was down south somewhere. And the woman was hysterical. I spoke to her on the phone. I didn't know what to do for her. Um, she had paid $4,000. Somebody and she gave me the name, and I went and looked at it, and it was the bogus service dog training thing. She had paid four thousand dollars sight unseen, and this is going back about 12 years, so now I imagine they're charging a lot more for a golden doodle that was not even housebroken. I mean, she you know trusted them, she believed the hype on the website, she sent her money, they brought the dog or shipped the dog, or I don't know how what they did. And the dog was not even housebroken, knew nothing, knew no command. I mean, you could walk into any shelter in the country and walk out with an adult dog who probably knows more than this dog did. Mm-hmm. And she had a handicapped child, and now she got this dog that she can't manage and can't handle and doesn't have the right temperament to be around her child. And they, they weren't responding to her emails or her calls. And on that same note, just real quickly, if somebody who's listening to this has a dog, who, a doodle, or any dog who is showing, you know, maybe some little behaviors that kind of worry you with your kids, or, or or not, but we're talking about kids, you know, there's a little bit of growling maybe if the dog, if the child walks near the dog when they're chewing a bone or eating or any little behavior, however small you think it might be. If you have a little fear, a little concern even about that, find a trainer now. Be proactive. Please don't let this dog end up in a shelter or even being rehomed. Just start now to find a trainer you can trust. There's a lot of people out there who are supposed to be trainers who are not really trainers. Um, We always tell people, you know, it's not like when I was a personal trainer, I could show you my degree and my AC membership card, which is the American Council on Exercise, which has certain requirements. There's no such thing as for trainers. You know, they can be a member of the Pet Dog Training Association. It doesn't mean you've got a good one. What I want to see is what have you done with your own dog? I know a girl who has one of Jasper's relatives who's got 15 or 16 titles on that dog, including three obedience championships. You know what? I, I think she knows how to train a dog. But, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want some kid from, you know, Miss Mary's school of dog manners to prove it. You know, don't waste your money. There are ways to find somebody and look at what they have done. Look at what they've done with their own dog, if nothing else, before you get a trainer. But you need to do something. Don't let it get to the point where I'm seeing a rehomely application.
0: Yes. Nip it in the bud early. Because it it very well could be something that you can nip in the bud early before that behavior is ingrained and learned and they feel, you know, it's working for the dog and you're in this cycle. So just to wrap up, I guess what you know, to summarize what we've talked about, if you're looking at doodles, make sure you want a dog, period. If you're thinking of getting any kind of dog, including a doodle for your kids, don't do it unless you want to have that dog for the rest of its life and, and are going to take that responsibility. And then If you pass all those tests and you still want a dog and your kids want a dog, learn about kid-dog interactions, learn about doggy body language and how to prevent issues and train your dog no matter what. You don't have to wait for little tiny behaviors to go bad. (laughs) Start training your dog from the beginning. And there's always outliers. There's always someone who can say, well, my dog sleeps with my kid every night and they're perfect and wonderful and my dog babysits my kids. But those are outliers. Don't go by those, you know, way out their stories, even if they're true for somebody. Expect normal dog behavior from your dog and you'll prevent a lot of potential for heartache.
1: Yep. Rather than, you know, looking at websites, just go out and spend some time around dogs. Go to a dog park in your area, even if you don't have a dog, and see how dogs behave. Right. That's a
0: big eye-opener. You know,
1: if you know people who have doodles preferably but any you know go visit them you know if you have friends spend some
0: time in a house and see what it's like to live with a dog if you know one doodle person and their dog is like a newfoundland who just lays around and and is like yeah. perfect that's not a typical dog of any breed so right. go meet crazy dogs too because you need to understand so okay well thank you karen so much for being here today we're definitely going to do this again on other topics Thanks a lot, Karen. Have a wonderful day. You too.
1: Thanks, Adina.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Doodle Kisses podcast. If you have any ideas or recommendations for future topics or guests, send me an email at admin at doodle That's A-D-M-I-N at doodlekisses.com. Also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or however you get your podcasts so you can have every episode ready to listen to as soon as it comes out. The show notes will link you to our GoFundMe page, as well as links to some of the things we discussed in today's episode. Talk to you next time on the next episode of the Doodle Kisses podcast.